0: <risics> Get down with DND. you Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with DND. and you down with D and D? Down with D Yeah, you know me. Get down with D yeah, you I'm down with D and
1: Yeah, you know me. down with D?
0: Are you ready to get down with some D and D? I know I am. And I am joined as I am always joined by the majestic, miraculous, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean?
2: We're back from Origins, Chris.
0: We are, and we have a guest with us today.
2: Is she, is she back from Origins too, or is she still she, there?
0: She might still be at Origins. I might have might be remoting her in uh, through the astral plane at the moment. Excellent. But uh, is the the scintillating sorceress Cindy Moore? What is up, Cindy?
1: Hey. And I am actually back from Origins. I couldn't stay there any longer. I would have been overload.
0: Overload, yeah. you would have like exploded or something like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yep it's uh, it's post Origins. We we did some stuff there. Uh, I didn't play a lot of D anD D, and but I, I heard you both did. Uh, what about you, Sean? Did you play some D anD
2: played some D anD D, but I actually played more other games than I did D anD D, including you, one of your games. So that was exciting. Yeah, that was exciting. I was very excited. What about you, Cindy?
1: Uh, I played mostly D&D. I played, uh, uh, I played the epic, the mm. Red War, which, which was uh, a lot of fun and disappointing all at the same time.
0: <laughs> we will get into the <laughs> details of that later. We even have a spot for it in our, in our conversation.
1: Yep. And I also played uh, the int- one of the intro adventures from the new Moon Shay that Balming uh, Games is, is uh, writing and running. That's cool.
2: cool. And we'll also talk about that a little bit more later in the show. Absolutely. All right, well, let's do some announcements
0: before we get into Origins completely. So uh, the Origins Awards were announced. I didn't even look at any of
2: this, so why don't you tell me about it, John? Well, I didn't go through the full list, but I thought there were two cool things, uh, D&D-related, that came out of the Origins Awards. The first was the best role-playing supplement of the year went to Dungeons & Dragons Xanathar's Guide to Everything, um, which I thought was much-deserved.
0: I agree, actually. A lot of times I'll be like, popularity-ness and whatever, and I'm like, no, not
2: this time. Like, this book is really good. It is. It is super good. And the other thing that surprised me was the best role-playing game of the year went to Adventures in Middle Middle Earth. And the reason that's important is because that's a 5e game.
0: It really is a 5e game. It's a pretty big rules drift from 5th edition, but it's totally a 5th edition game. And And, the
1: new things that they put into it, are really awesome
0: oh we uh, we did a whole episode on on adventures of middle earth, like talking about the the shifts and the changes in that game. It's a very interesting hack of uh of d and
2: d yeah but it it also yeah. shows that uh you know that fifth edition can be just as adaptable as say the third edition open gaming license was in terms of creating stuff, and people like it um it's a good sound system for for telling stories and playing games, really is. Did you have something to say about Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Cindy?
1: I did. Uh, I, um, in particular, I like the new rules for um, creating encounters.
0: They're so much better. Yeah.
1: They are so much better and easier and less math, and the less math for me, the better.
2: <laughs> uh, what's next? What else are you want to talk about, Sean? Uh, Just recently, four of the Guild Adept adventures were made legal for Adventurers League play, which is always a big deal for uh, the Adventurers League folks. So I just wanted to let everyone know that the following adventures can now be played for Adventurers League. Credit for your characters. The Rats of Waterdeep by Will Doyle and Lisa Chen. Riddle of the Raven Queen by Claire Hoffman, James Dracasso, Greg Marks, and Travis Woodall. The Lich Queen's Begotten by the new adept M.T. Black, and To Wake the Leviathan by Rich Lescouflair.
0: Very cool. It was also really neat to see copies of Esper Genesis at uh, Origins this year.
2: Yeah, I meant to get over to the dealer room and buy a hard copy, and I I didn't get back, so that's still something I have to pick up, but there's always Gen Con.
0: Yep. Are you going to be at Gen Con?
2: I am going to be at Gen Con.
0: Uh, I'm going to be at Gen Con. Hey, we should do something at Gen Gen Con. Con. Oh,
2: and Cindy's going to be at Gen Con. We should get get together one night at some place and just have listeners come and talk with us.
0: We will do that absolutely. Right. I will uh, put it out there for you folks. Um, I mean, my my schedule is kind of tight because I have to run a freaking ton of slots. And uh, Cindy, you should join us too. But you're also doing um, you're running for Contessa, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: sh- running D and D for Contessa.
0: Mm, there you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll organize that. We have like six weeks so when all of you hear this five weeks you'll start hearing about where and when we're going to be doing something for for gen con everyone with in the madness that is gen con that's true uh, so let's talk about this new thing from wizards the the giant soul sorcerer it is a uh, sorceress uh what do or- they call them again a
2: sorceress origin from the yes. unearthed arcana archives
0: yes yeah, sorceress origin All right, so what do we got going on here, Sean? I mean, we both read through this. I I read it um, more recently than you, rather quickly. But um, from my overall impression is that it's uh, very flavorful, and I kind of like it, and I can't wait to see I hope it plays well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so just the general background of it, it's a new sorceress origin for characters that want their sorcery to come from giants. So according to the background, the, the giants used to live in this fabled realm known as Astoria, but unfortunately, they, uh, that land fell, and the giants were therefore scattered throughout the mortal realm. But when they reached the mortal realm, the giants gave some of their magic to worthy small folk. And so that's what this sorceress origin represents, is the magic that um, has been passed down the generations from giants when they first entered the mortal realm. So it, that's a cool backstory.
0: That is a really cool backstory. That is
2: actually really neat. Yep, I think it fits well into the the world that has been created by wizards here, um, especially with giants like storm giants and cloud giants, who who are less brutal and you know and military than than the lesser giants, and have this sort of magic in their backgrounds to start with.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I, like I said, when we we read through this, I'm looking at the stuff, and like, it, it's all very. Um, Theme-y. I like mm-hmm. the themes that are going on with the spells and, and, and how they're related and, and all the, the abilities and whatnot and the story that goes along with it. It makes a lot of sense to me now, right? Like, it, it seems really cool.
2: Yep. And as with any mechanics, really, the proof will be how does it play playtest. Uh, but just in terms of what's given, it seems pretty reasonable. Uh, first level that you get Yotun Resistance, uh, which increases your maximum hit points by one per level. Uh, so that's just kind of like the old toughness sort of feat. Um, and in the long run, it'll get you 20 extra hit points if you go from levels 1 to 20.
0: Yeah, and to go along with that, though, you get the Mark of the Ordning, which means you get some additional spells based on your giant type, which is really nice for a sorcerer because you only have so many spells at, at your disposal, so it gives you some more options. And then it, of course, then gives you some flavorful options.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, so depending on what type of giant you choose as, as being in your background... Uh, powers that you get coming later and then the spells at first level change. So it's what you might expect. You know, Storm giants will get Thunder Wave, Shocking Grass, Gust of Wind, things like that, whereas the uh, hill giants get more uh, martial things like Heroism and Shillelagh. Uh, and then they get
0: Enlarge and Reduce, which is funny.
2: Yeah, yep. And speaking of en- Enlarge and Reduce, uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, at sixth level, you get Soul of Lost Astoria, which... Um, is a different uh, benefit based on which kind of giant you are, and there are several different ones. Anywhere from um, when you cast any of your mark of ordaining spells, you mark of ordaining spells are the ones extra ones that you get. Um, you can get do something extra, so you might gain some temporary hit points if you're a stone giant. Uh, you might be able to push people away from you if you're a hell giant, and they're nothing overpowered, but you know, neat little things that, that you can use when you cast your Mark of Ordening spells.
0: So let's talk about this from a design point of view, right? Like, this is really neat to me because it's like, cool, you're gonna get these extra spells on your spell list for the most part, like, mm-hmm. your are a sorcerer. It's, it's, you don't have as many spells. Now these spells become a little bit better, right? Because they're, they're the spells themselves plus something, mm-hmm. and it's all tied together. I, I think that's really good design because it, it's kind of pushing you to playing a character in a certain way and using certain resources more than others
2: yep it's it's well we we talk about it on down with d and d, but you also talk about it a lot on misdirected mark, which is making the mechanics match the narrative or uh-huh. driving narrative through the mechanics, and that does it that's what this is doing. it is saying this is your character if you play your character the way that it is meant to be played based on the setting, you get these extra extra benefits
0: yeah, and I really like like ones like the storm the storm giant one like up to three creatures of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you take lightning damage equal to your constitution modifier right after you cast any of your Mark of Ordning spells. I like that a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Very, I mean, you can see it, you can see the character, right? They're, they're walking around, they're throwing these lightning-ish spells around, then they're arcing lightning off of them like a Tesla coil to, to bad guys or enemies. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat.
2: Yep. And then at 14th level, you get the Rage of Fallen Astoria. And this is pretty interesting to me. Um, when you use a spell slot, you can choose to grow one size category, from small to <laughs> medium, creepy. from medium to large, et cetera. And rather than as has been in the past, where you grow in size and the rules become problematic, they limit what benefits you get. And I think there are still good benefits, um, but it's not crazy stuff. So your current hit points increase by one per sorcerer level. Your reach and your walking speed increase by five feet. You have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws, and you get uh, a bonus to all melee weapon attacks equal to your constitution modifier. So you grow in size, you become big, nice and flavorful. You can see it being described you know, while you're role-playing, and then those benefits are neatly listed so you don't have to struggle with rules to figure out what a larger size would mean.
0: Yes, I agree, right? Yep.
2: I think it's great. And then at 18th level, you get the Blessing of the All Father, which lets you increase your Constitution score by two, which again is benefiting you in many ways, including what we just talked about, up to a maximum of a score of 22. And you also are able to use that Rage of Fallen Astoria twice between long or short rests rather than once. So you get an extra use of it, and it also allows you to stack, so you could do it twice in the sa- at the same time and become even larger, even stronger, even more reach, even more speed and so on, which I've re- very rarely seen done in any edition of D&D. So it's it's an interesting concept to to uh to play with and you can do it more easily when you do limit the num what those benefits are.
0: Yes, I yeah everything you just said, and like you, you mentioned it before, but like this is the kind of excellent design I think that occurs in in later level D and d like at eighteenth level like that constitution score increase it doesn't seem like a lot, but it plays into everything that has come before it because mm-hmm. most of the stuff from Rage of Fallen Astoria and the level six abilities that you get are based on your constitution score you got It's it. really it's very very clever and mm-hmm. and you can and it gives you this cool choice that you have to make when you've used this power um, because if you use this power, then you can use it again to get bigger or you can save it to use it later so it's another like interesting resource choice to use and it's very flavorful
2: yep I man it's such
0: good I, I, that's why when i read it i'm like man this is really good like this is the kind of design that i think they should be like aiming at constantly
2: mhm and then you put it out like they did for playtest let people actually use it and see if there are corner cages ca- cases or edge cases Uh, that need to be addressed. But other than that, I think it's pretty solid design. Cindy, did you get a chance to look at this at all?
1: I I didn't, but uh, just listening to you, I I agree with the um, Constitution uh, playing into all the other parts previous and Mm -hmm. the increase in the Constitution um, actually making the other things more useful along the line um, Mm -hmm. and also, again, increasing hit points. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that's a a major
0: thing. Very gianty too, right? Like Mm -hmm. giants have a lot of hit points, so. Yeah. Right. All right, let's talk about um, the Moonshade Isles preview stuff or the Moonshade Isles stuff at Baldwin Games. There were seven adventures at Origins and strangely enough, I think a bunch of us had something to do with some of them in some way, shape, or form. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep, so they, like Chris said, they released seven. Um, The first one was Moon 1-1 Moonshade treasure hunt which consists of four two-hour intro adventures so i think that is uh one of the things that cindy played
1: uh it is i actually played the one i wrote um <laughs> so uh yeah and uh Isn't that that one... cheating <laughs> no not as long as you don't met a game we're good <laughs> um and i didn't um
0: I mean, if I was running for you, I would have just changed everything about it just just to be that guy.
1: <laughs> I didn't even tell I didn't even tell the uh, DM that I wrote it. I don't like to make people nervous. Um, but uh, it was it was very fun, um, and I'm not just saying that. I think that uh, the way it was uh, designed for all of them to be a, a treasure hunt kind of uh, made it a lot of fun. You're actually looking for something specific and. Um, being guided towards that uh not for spoilers towards uh by uh some divination Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that was the 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 thing that kicks it all off if Mm -hmm. i remember correctly
1: yeah um and so uh i think putting uh the players in the position of uh being part of a um I keep, I prophecy? Yeah, like prophecy. There you go. Um, being part of the prophecy also makes them makes the players feel more important and gets them into the game story-wise uh, rather than just being pushed into something uh, by being in the tavern at the right t- place at the right time.
0: Oh, man, so, hooks are super important. We, we've talked yeah. about that a number of times, Sean, like having yeah. a decent, interesting hook that is not just
2: you're in a tavern, take a job. Yeah. Hey, Cindy, s- since we've got you here, I, I have to ask. OK, did you you, you you know, you said you didn't want to tell the DM that you had written mm-hmm. this because you didn't want anyone to be nervous. Have you done that often? And if so, what what have you learned by playing through something you've written and seeing another DM run it?
1: Well, um, yes, I do it every time because I don't like, uh, I know I would be nervous. So I, I just take it that everybody feels the same way as I do, but it's not always the case. Um, but what I learn is things that I could have done. Um, it, it helps in, in writing the next thing. Uh, if I've, i I realized that they, uh, change things to make it easier, I realized that that's probably the, a, a way that I could have designed it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is extremely helpful, I believe, cool. in uh, fi- helping you uh, grow in your writing and your designing, because mm-hmm. you can see things that you might have missed or uh, could have been done differently, and that's always a help to me. And uh, not telling them uh, let's them be themselves. Sure, yeah, and I, do what they would they would do uh, had I not been there.
2: Right. Yeah, I think it's a great practice. So I'm
0: I'm right there with you. I have never sat down and, and had somebody run something
2: for me that I had written. I should probably do that at some point. Yeah. Well, you'll, Just, you'll you have the chance at Gen Con or uh, probably a hundred other places now. Because the next thing that was released by Ball Land Games was the Moon Two trilogy. Written by one Christopher Sneezak, Savannah Houston McIntyre, and Eric Mengi.
0: Yeah, and uh, put together, uh, edited by Robert Allen Z or Al- Alans. I
2: can't. I can't.
0: Alanese, thank you. I always no try screw up his last name. That's okay. So it was fun. It was a good time. I got a lot of good feedback about it. I actually have to like update my adventure now because of the
2: feedback. Yeah. So that one uh, had general play at Origins. I've heard many good things. Uh, what's great about running these is we ha- we have a lot of good DMs on the Baldman Games DM list and as soon as the convention's over they are just rolling out the feedback about what could have been better, what worked, and then ver- uh, the next uh, iteration of the adventure can be um, can be updated. So I will be doing that with the Moon 3 trilogy which also premiered there, a tier 2 trilogy by myself, Ted Atkinson and Kat Krueger. That ran in the D&D Experience track. And, again, run by very good DMs, gathering feedback for updates. And all seven of these adventures will be playable at Gen Con. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm running your adventure
0: like four times. So, Excellent. <laughs> Excellent, he says. And,
1: then, and uh, also at, at Gen Con will be coming two new ones, correct,
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. That is correct. One uh, is a, another Tier 1 trilogy. I don't know who the authors are specifically, but that is overseen by uh, Peter Schleipen. And then the other Tier 2 trilogy, I believe, is being overseen by none other than Miss Cindy Moore. That is
1: is correct. And the authors are myself, Effie Madison, and Jay Africa with uh, a new author, uh, Chad Seitz, doing the special that only runs at Baldwin Games.
2: Yep, at the DDXP show. Good. Mm. So there you go. And go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. Oh, the other thing that we'll be releasing very, very shortly on the DMs Guild is a campaign guide for the Moon Sea Isles Adventures called Moon, Moon Shea Isles Rising Shadows. Um, Eric Mengi has been putting up pictures of the cover, which are beautiful, and hopefully within the first couple weeks of July, that will be out there for people to buy. And as you play these uh, Moonshay adventures, you could get some character backgrounds and some history from that guide. That's really cool, actually. I,
0: especially if it's if any part of it is any part of the stuff that we wrote like years ago.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So we're uh, we're uh, we're all looking forward to that release, and then the big release of all the adventures at Gen Con. After which, you should be able to get them on the DM's Guild. Absolutely. And I hope you all pick those things up because, um, you know, we wrote
0: them and it's always good for for us financially and also for your fun, Mm -hmm. because I think they're pretty solid adventures so far from the ones I've read. And I read a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Randy Farmer, he's uh, he he had an aortic uh, issue and he had like a heart attack. So um, he's better. He didn't die. Thank God. Thank God. Because the world needs more paper craft Mm -hmm. from Randy. So we wish you the best, Randy. Um, We're glad that you're recovering from your surgery. Yeah, uh, did you want to say anything, Sean?
2: I just, uh, you know, Randy has been a guest on the show. He's active in the community, one of the uh, finest DMs out there, both in terms of what he creates for his players and then running the table. And we love him, and we hope that he pulls through with very little complication. We're we're wishing you well, Randy. Yeah, absolutely, wishing you completely and
0: totally well. And he's been—he's one of our longest. He might be our oldest patron too. So mm-hmm. thank you so much and get better all right let's talk about origins right i'm going to talk about origins so i guess was uh, Watsy was there in force who was there
2: who was there who wasn't there uh right. wow uh i ran into shelly Masnoble, greg tito chris Lindsay, satine phoenix jeremy crawford chris perkins and holly conrad um i know kate welsh was also there i didn't get a chance to talk to her in person um, all of the Adventurers League admins were there, all six of them, um, and other folks that are Watsy adjacent like Rudy Rutenberg um, was also there. The Many of the writers on Dragon Heist or Dungeon of the Mad Mage were there. Uh, so you know, wherever you turned, if you were in the D&D area or in the, the D&D seminars, you were running into someone from, either from Wizards or someone who is doing great work in the, the D&D community. So, wow. Yeah, but,
0: I saw James Sinercasso. I ran yeah. him for a few minutes. Yep,
2: yeah, James was there. Uh, Dan Dillon, who worked on Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, if I try to go on, I'll end up leaving someone yeah. out.
0: I, I heard you played a game of Reach of Titan run by Jim McClure with a bunch of those D&D folks. I, am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> I mean, Reach of Titan's a thing. We can't talk about the one thing. No, I
2: I, didn't even. Yeah, I played uh, several games, including that with Jim. Uh, I played with Jim McClure th- with that. I played uh, Phil's H2O game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played your what we're calling right now sequence. But whatever we end up calling a, it. I game. think we're
0: going to call it run array.
2: Nice. I like that. That's funny. I, I came home. My, my daughter plays D&D and I came home and I described what happened during that game. And she wants to play now.
0: <laughs> i mean it is it it is pretty much my uh my version of game mastering in mechanized form i mean that's pretty much what that game is, so
2: yeah it was it was pretty awesome so in terms of the watsy presence though, what it means to me is they understand how important their presence is not only to their fan base but to creating a great game and a great hobby. So if you went to the seminars, you know, you got to interact and, and hear what they have to say, which is great. But, you know, I saw Jeremy Crawford and Kate Welsh running games in the D and D hall right in the middle of everyone. And I can't emphasize enough how important that is, uh, not only for the players to see it, but for the volunteers to see that that they're part of a, a large thing. Um they're they're not just there to run this one game for these six people. You know, they're a member of a larger community that is growing and needs to share the experiences to keep everyone coming from all ages and and genders and walks of life and and everyone is is welcome in this hobby so I couldn't agree more yeah, yeah. I mean yeah you know the streams are great the streams are are doing a fantastic job of recruiting but to go and sit in a room with 300 other people playing the same event um and seeing Wizards of the Coast employees and staff in the thick of it speaks very highly of their engagements with the fans because it's it's not it's not easy to dm it's it's draining and you know and they're also doing other work and they're also jet lagged because they're coming from the west coast so it t- it takes effort to do this and they are taking the effort and it shows Hey, go ahead.
1: They're also uh, putting their money into Origins itself, being a co-sponsor, mm-hmm. uh, a huge sponsor at Origins itself, showing um, their presence there and having everybody see it. And um, I saw several times in that, uh, for instance, Holly Conrad was in her Strix um, mm-hmm. costuming, and she was over by the main halls. And she was picture after picture, and and she was just so gracious and um, very friendly towards everybody that came to her that um, also seeing that and having everybody see it, not just the D&D people. Brings people into it and makes more D and D players. So, you, you Satine
0: Phoenix was decked out in full elf costume one day. I saw oh, her yeah? walking around in, in full elf costume, head to toe. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. For
2: for the open, Chris Lindsay was in the full Mert the moneylender outfit. Really, and that's that, cool. That was met... must have been hot, but he he did a great job as as Mert. Mm-hmm. I love I love me some Mert, right? Like that's good stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, like Watson know, knows what they're doing, right? Like they're they're hitting it on all, on all levels. Like this isn't about making, I mean, it's about making money, right? But this is about engagement. They they understand right. that engagement will will make them personable, will make them real people, will bring them, bring people to to the game in, in much more meaningful ways than just you know, uh, putting out books con, books constantly. So yeah, right. good on and, them. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And not only did Mert um, during the open he dress up as Mert, but he played Mert because uh, oh, yeah. he was... I'll let you talk about that more, because you were you were there the whole thing. I just got glimpses of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, before we talk about the Open, why don't we talk about the, the Red War epic? So, um, Cindy, you were the one who actually got to play it. Like, me and Sean didn't participate in any way, shape, or form. Right, buddy?
2: Yeah, I was good to try to get a ticket, but there are so many other people that had so much invested in it uh, that I wanted to just let, let them do their thing.
0: Yeah, so... Sh- Sean, yeah. before you tell us about the open, Sean, why don't you like lead us in? What what was the open? What is the Red War Epic?
2: Well, I'm going to let Cindy talk about it because she participated. Oh, okay.
1: Well, okay. So the Red War Epic, um, it, it's a, actually something that I am very proud that the AL admins actually did. Um, the Red War started by community role playing, so the uh, community itself had a Discord channel, Facebook pages that started picking on the red wizards of thay they didn't think they should be in Mallmaster. (laughs) um and so uh the factions fought each other uh not you know uh in game or anything like that but they had many verbal arguments um with each other uh and uh ultimately with uh the red wizards themselves and uh those uh Players that have some sort of interest in Mallmaster, uh, particularly I can say uh, I had more, my character had interest because he had land there. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and the Red Wizards were the ones that gave him the land. It's a story award? Yes, it was a story award. So um, the incorporation of story awards and faction play and everything brought the was brought to the admin's attention because of what was it was happening on facebook and so the admin said well let's go with this we always wanted to make this a community you know the factions to be a community role-playing aspect of this this league let's do this so they had the red wizards start to make answering the the uh the factions claims and the of and wanting and demands for them to get out of well, Malmaster. Mm-hmm. So that's what this ended up being was the Red Wizard saying, "Okay, listen guys. We're not having this anymore. You can do all you want, but we're going to take over Malmaster." Ah. Uh-huh. Um so basically uh, the, the Red War was um, the result of everything that has happened uh, online and I'm not sure how many how much spoilers we want to do, but I know that the uh, results of this red war have come out and Mallmaster has been taken over completely by the Red Wizards and it has lost the factions wow. the factions have been kicked out
0: That's impressive. Mm-hmm. How did so so tell us a little bit about the overall structure of how the um this this battle interactive situation went.
2: I just well, I just want to step in real quick and say we do not want to spoil it because um I mean you can obviously talk about it but um it will be played at other conventions. So don't mm-hmm. get don't get too far down into the weeds on on what 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 yeah, what's I, in it.
0: I'm not interested in details. I just want to know sure. the, like, the overall structure of how how it ranks. I'm always curious yeah. as to how these epics it seems like they have like interesting like overall mm-hmm. mechanisms for how like all these tables interact. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to how that stuff works. I imagine anybody who plays it will figure that stuff out early on. Sure. Like it's mm-hmm. part of the game, right? Oh, right,
2: right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying don't talk about it. I'm just saying don't. You know, don't say which monsters were fought and so on. Well, yeah.
1: no, 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 no. We can't do that. Um, so like, so, was... yeah, it was. Very, it was. It was interactive. Um, uh, as as most epics have have uh, proven to be. With uh, the Adventures League, uh, you do have wandering monsters coming around. You do have uh, table interaction uh, things that you do at your table can affect other tables of the same tier, and some things even affect uh, tables of other tiers.
0: So was it like tier based, and uh, so like was it like tier based point gathering, or was it like area control, like I've seen before? Like what was like some of the overall structure?
1: Uh, it was point gathering okay um, so
0: do things to get points
1: mm-hmm. and if
0: you didn't get enough points then you failed
1: yes all right And there. do certain things um, if you do certain things that affected other tables maybe like maybe
0: there are things that possibly open up special missions things like that probably
1: correct
0: I've seen that structure before it's a cool structure for this I like it yeah. a lot all right
1: well, yeah
0: so so the Red Wizards own mall master that's interesting
1: yeah unfortunately. Huh. sorry sorry
0: everyone <laughs> so, you, you let everybody down Cindy you went you and yeah, you and I know you yeah, both played she, it you yeah, let everybody so good, down so Scott, so and we're Scott and Scott the triplets you know all of you folks party. out there that played that red War epic uh, you let us all down <laughs> unless you're a red wizard then you didn't let us down at all thank you
1: Yeah, um, so all the factions, and I also, I believe, I'm not sure, I I actually am not sure what happened to the people who own land there. I believe that uh, that has been forfeited as well. I'm I'm not positive, don't hold me to that, but I believe that my land has been forfeited. My land has been forfeited, so.
0: That sucks.
1: Yeah. It's okay.
0: So that's the
2: Red War epic. Um, Sean, let's talk about the D&D Open. The D&D Open was an eight-hour extravaganza that ran uh, from 2 p.m. until 11 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Again, this is going to be running at other conventions, so I'm not going to get too heavy into the spoilers, Uh, but I think I can say safely that a majority of the people had a good time. Um, As opposed to the epic, which is a lot of combat, um, the open is not. I did have... I did hear of tables that did not roll initiative once or did not roll one damage die. Uh, so if you are going into the open at a different event, um, thinking that it's going to be like the previous two opens with combat after combat after combat, this is different. If you do not like, uh, adventures where it's a lot of role playing and, and thinking and planning, let somebody else have your ticket who would enjoy it more. Um, that's I think that's only fair to um you know to let you know what you're getting also this is not an adventures league event uh, there are rewards for your adventures league character if you so choose but you will not lose anything in the story if you are not an adventures league player this open is you know for um a preview for season eight of the hardcover books so it's set in Waterdeep. Uh, but it does. You don't need to have any Adventures League knowledge. There are pre-generated characters, uh, and you get everything you need on the character sheet to walk in, sit down, and play.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah did right? you like,
2: did you have any specific questions about it or does Yeah, that what's, somewhat... what's,
0: the, what's the story? What, what's what's
2: the uh, what's the open all about? the The open is called Gangs of Waterdeep, and Gangs of Waterdeep are running amok in the city. And there is a certain object that you are tasked to find. The problem is no one knows where it is. But you get rumors of someone who might know. And so there are, it's divided up into different sections. And each section is a, a little mini heist where you have to figure out how to get what you're trying to get after um, based on the tools you have at hand. And after a short planning session, then you try to pull the heist off and see what happens. Um, and then it culminates in one larger heist uh, at a costume ball. That's cool. So, yeah, the, uh, the, it's still a competitive event, but it's more about how you succeed at certain objectives than it is on how much hit point damage you can do and how well you can think through your plan to account for all the various things that could go wrong, like any other uh, good heist adventure or heist movie or heist book um, does.
0: I would have loved that. That would have been an amazing thing to play. I should probably find a way to play that at some point.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, if you are running a convention and you would like the D&D Open, you Simply go through the same process you would as getting an epic or any other event from Wizards, and your show can run it.
0: Well, I can't play an open at a convention that I am running the QCC, which any, everybody should come out. I think we're getting an epic. Are we getting an epic?
1: We're getting the Red
0: War, the Red War epic. So if you didn't get a chance to play the Red War epic, you can play at the QCC in September. Uh, the open, I don't think we're we're getting that. No, or, no, we're, no not. we're not getting the open. That's sad, but you know whatever.
2: <laughs> I know we'll be running at Game Con. Because I will be there to run it. Oh, nice. So uh, you could play it there. I'm not, I'm sure it's probably running at big shows like Dragon Con, uh, probably some of the West Coast shows um, like Strategic Con in L.A. There's a couple other in L.A. that often get them. So you know, check your with your local convention and see if you can talk them into getting it.
0: All right, uh, one more thing before we get out of here today. Uh, a bunch of changes are coming to the Adventurers League. We want to talk about those? I think we, talked, uh, we mentioned a little bit about that maybe, but uh, what else What else
2: is going on there? Yep. On At Origins, on the D&D Twitch channel, and there's a link to that in our show notes, Chris Lindsay talked about the upcoming season uh, of the Adventurers League, and one of the things he mentioned was that there is going to be the adaptation of the checkmark system, first shown in xanathar's guide to everything they haven't gone into detail on all of the special edge cases how it's going to affect characters that are in play now Uh, but if you look at xanathar's guide to everything and look at that system you will see that rather than getting experience points you get certain check marks based on how much time you've played what you've accomplished and then that's how you level and there's also a wealth and magic item system that goes along that same lines, rather than getting something specific in the adventure. um, You use this system to also accrue wealth and magic. That's cool. So so, uh, it was, it hasn't been fully announced or implemented yet, but they just got out the word that it would be happening. And as sometimes happen with gamers changes, the devil. So, Oh no change. But, I would suggest giving the Adventures League folks time to implement and see how it works. In the long run, I am 99% sure that this is going to be better for the Adventures League because what the Adventures League needs always is new players. And so this is going to make it easier for players to uh, move from table to table to go to a convention and then go back to their home and bring new players in. Uh, So that's why I'm not uh, panicking and I'm giving this new system a chance uh, to hear what they have to say about it.
0: I'll tell you one thing as a person who writes a lot of this stuff or not a lot of this stuff, but a fair amount of this stuff at this point, like it makes it a lot easier on me
2: too. this checkmark system. Like Mm -hmm. that seems pretty solid. Yep. You can still build your adventure, you know, using the experience points of monsters, but you don't have to worry, did I get exactly 6,000 experience points in this adventure? Um, you can just let the time limit and the check mark dictate uh, the advancement for the characters.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's something that I am very happy about for, as in the writing aspect of it all that uh, you don't have to match XP because sometimes that just doesn't you have to add things that don't necessarily make sense sometimes just because uh you have to make the xp amount so yep. yeah I, i'm very happy about that
2: yeah. and so much better and what it really does in the long run is it allows you to write an adventure or to play an adventure in a variety of different ways you can have three different ways to solve a problem it doesn't have to be just kill all the monsters. Um, So as we saw with uh, Rachma, you can set up an encounter, and you can say, if the players want to solve this problem through role-playing, here's what you need to know. If they want to solve it through combat, here's what you need to know. If there are exploration ways, tricks, that they can use to solve this encounter, this is what you need to know. And you don't always have to take the combat path to get the experience points. And that's what we're seeing as a game um, changing to a more narrative style that this allows you to play that sort of game. It allows you to play a combat heavy game and still play the same adventure and get to the same outcomes.
0: Sounds great to me. Like I, I can't wait. It would also make it easier. Make me want to play more AL so I don't have to do all as much paperwork. Like yep. I'm, it's a thing that I just don't like about it.
2: Like it just bothers me, my head in some way, shape or form. It, if, if you are not into the paperwork that it is, Definitely a hurdle that keeps you out of Adventures League play. And as, as much as you can streamline that paperwork, you are opening the game up to many more people for sure.
0: And the fact that it does that for
2: both wealth and magic items too in some way, shape,
0: or form also makes me very excited.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will be implemented in a way that is better for the gaming community as a whole.
0: Anybody else have anything to say or are we uh we good to go?
1: No, I I think that it everything was covered. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. Well uh Sean, you good? I am good, Chris. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Before we leave, let's do a few Patreon shout-outs. We're going to do the uh, the Royal Court of uh, the Misdirector Mark Productions. Uh, Craig Just Craig, the Lord of One Name. Stephen Farrell, the Knight of Layers. Eric Bontz, the Duke of Gators and the Lord of the Beefness. Uh, Sean Gilgore, the Knight of All Edges. Eric Jeppesen, the Lord of Endurance. Wayne Polydian Chang, the Duke of the Darkest Suns. Scott Robinson, the Duke of Dice. Eileen Barnes, the Duchess of Pandas Talking Games. Uh, Robert Dorgan, the Dragon Lord of Down With D&D. Jared Rasher, the Scribe of MMP, Christopher Gray, the Spymaster of MMP, Michael Dinos, the Inquisitor of Mark, Jesse Edmund, the Royal Doctor, Donnie Harville, the Lord of the Slack Room, Brian Kurtz, the Royal Doctor of Physic, Andy Olson, the Duke of Dimensional Paradox, Merrick Blackman, the Royal D&D Reviewer, Rob of the Gauntlet of the Queen, GM Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show, Toby Sennett, the Baron of Britannia, Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard, James Sweetland, the Master Chocolatier, and Jen Pixelscape Gange, the Royal Monstrologist. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with the
2: d you can click on the link to our Patreon page and for a paltry $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for $4 a month, you not only get that shout out, but you also get to see our pre-production show notes.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you want one of those titles that you just heard and some other cool things, it's $10 a month. And that is not just for our show, but for all the other shows and things like that, too. So that would be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a booze, you can do so with an Apple podcast review. They help us, even if you're not listening to the Apple Podcasts, because other podcatchers use Apple Podcasts to rate and rank shows, and that would make us more visible. Mm-hmm. Sean, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the Down With D&D G Plus community. Cindy, where can we find you on the Internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter as well as at Cindy M. Moore.
0: Uh, You can hit me up, at Mr. that's the network Twitter handle, or, you know, at DownWithDandy, or at the light 101 or you can just go to the website and listen to this show and other shows such as this one, Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Hobbs gets together with various friends from the OSR, where they talk about the games they play, a little about themselves, some OSR-related topic, and sometimes the state of the OSR, where Hobbs puts down his Mr. Rogers persona and gets all opinionated. Get old school with Hobbs
2: and Friends of the OSR. Down with d and is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Cindy, what are we going to do now?
1: We're going to kill some monsters.
2: And Red Wizards. Yes.
1: Get <laughs> down with d Yeah, you Get know
0: down with d Yeah, you Get know down with d Yeah, you know me. Who's down with d and Down with d Yeah, you know me. You're down with d we're down with D&D. Yeah, you know we down with d